From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 235 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. It's hard to believe, but we're already in the fourth Sunday of Lent, Watari Sunday, otherwise known as Rejoice Sunday. The Church has given us this Sunday to rejoice in the fact that Easter will soon be here. So let us remember that our Lord God and His Son, through the Holy Spirit, loves us. God gave His life for us, and God will always be with us. Lots of reasons to rejoice. In episode 235 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our Saint of the Week, Saint Matilda, a holy queen who served God and the poor. We will hear a homily for the fourth Sunday of Lent as we hear from Jesus why he came into the world. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a missionary priest who is nominated for a prestigious award. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover a new book helping us contemplate the grace and beauty of our Blessed Mother. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand the actions of the Spanish Parliament. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about the importance of not trying to make the world a utopia. All of this plus music from Aaron Hale and friends who sing, O Christ, whose burden bowed thy head. This and more on episode 235 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Matilda, Queen of Germany and wife of King Henry I, was the daughter of Count Dietrich of Westphalia and Reinhild of Denmark. She was born about 895 and was raised by her grandmother, the abbess of Euphort, in a convert. Matilda married Henry the Fowler, son of Duke Otto of Saxony, in the year 909. He succeeded his father as duke in the year 912, and in 919 succeeded King Conrad I to the German throne. Matilda was widowed in the year 936 and supported her son Henry's claim to his father's throne. When her son Otto the Great was elected, she persuaded him to name Henry Duke of Bavaria, and and after he had led an unsuccessful revolt. St. Matilda was known for her considerable almsgiving. She was severely criticized by both Otto and Henry for what they considered her extravagant gifts to charities. As a result, she resigned her inheritance to her sons and retired to her country home. She was later recalled to the court through the intercession of Otto's wife, Edith. Matilda was welcomed back to the palace and her sons asked for her forgiveness. In her final years, she devoted herself to building many churches, convents, and monasteries. She spent most of her declining years of her life at the convent 
that she had built. She died at the monastery on March 14th and was buried there with her late husband, Henry. Her feast day is March 14th. St. Matilda, who served God and the poor, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the fourth Sunday of Lent, as Jesus tells us his mission in the world. Lourdes Gina Guzman de Jesus, age 13, was killed in November 2012 on her way to school in Miami after her friend Jordan Howe brought his stepfather's gun onto the bus. Apparently wanting to show off the weapon, he let friends, including Lourdes, play with it, believing it was safe. When he took a shot at the floor, there was no discharge of the weapon, but when he pulled the trigger pointing at Lourdes, he shot her in the neck. She died. The victim's mother, Eddie Guzman de Jesus, was in court to hear how, now 16, plead guilty to manslaughter in illegal firearm possessions. In an extraordinary gesture of forgiveness, Mrs. Guzman de Jesus, who has three other children, approved a lighter sentence for her daughter's killer that included him touring schools with her to warn children of the dangers of gun violence. The pair hugged in court as Hal fought back tears while trying to say he was so sorry to his friend's mother. After the hearing, Mrs. Guzman de Jesus said that her daughter would not want her to pursue the harshest sentence. She said, justice is already done. It feels like I'm ready to forgive him. In our first reading from, that we hear from Second Chronicles, we hear that the people disobey God. They do. And yet God, because of their disobedience, the people are conquered. And they go into exile, in the Babylonian exile. And yet God after their repentance and they begin to see the error of their ways, has King Cyrus, a Persian, not a Jew, build the temple in Jerusalem and the people are allowed to go back in, into Jerusalem and worship in the temple. God's mercy. In our second reading from Ephesians, we hear that God is rich in mercy. And in the gospel, the famous John 3.16, God gave his only son to save the world, to bring the light of his mercy into the world and to forgive our sins. So in this fourth Sunday of Lent, Latari Rejoice Sunday, we have real reason to rejoice for we are given the gift of God's light in his mercy. The question I think we're called to think about, my brothers and sisters, is do we accept the light in the mercy and forgiveness of God? Sometimes, believe it or not, we don't. We don't accept God's mercy because we don't think we need it. We are blind to our sins. We don't see what we do wrong. 
And because we don't see the need for mercy, we're not open to it. Sometimes we don't accept the light of God's mercy because we don't think we deserve it. Just the opposite. We think we've done things so badly that there's no way God could forgive us. And because we don't believe that we can be forgiven, we can't forgive ourselves, we do not accept his mercy. And sometimes we do not accept God's mercy because we don't want to change. We like the way our lives are. We like our sins. We like having control or thinking we do. We like being the master of our own universe, or at least we think we are. And because of these things, we don't sometimes want to change. And when we're close to change, we are not open to the light of God's mercy. God came into our world to offer us the light of his mercy, the forgiveness of our sins. To truly rejoice in that, we must first accept the fact that we are all sinners. It doesn't mean we're bad people, but we are sinners. And we must be open to our sinfulness and be willing to accept God's mercy, to see a need for it, and to say, yes, Lord, I accept your mercy. We must understand that accepting God's mercy is not because we've earned it. It's not because we're worthy of it, but because we accept that gift that God has poured out for us. And it means, my brothers and sisters, that we must be willing to repent and to change. Yes, we can accept God's mercy, but it needs to transform us, to make us holy, to make us one with Christ, to make us die to self so that we can be that gift to God that God has gifted to us. My brothers and sisters, there is a reason to rejoice on this fourth Sunday of Lent. God loves us. He is the light of the world. He has given us his mercy. And we can take solace in the fact that Christ came into the world, that for all who believe in him, if we are willing to accept his mercy, we will have the gift by his grace of eternal life. And now let us listen to Aaron Halen Friends who sings, O Christ, what burdens bow thy head. Christ, what burdens bowed thy head, our load was laid on thee. Thou stoodest in the sinner's stead, didst bear all ill for me. A victim led, thy blood was shed, now there's no load for me. Death and the curse were in our cup, O Christ was full for thee. But thou hast drained the last dark drop, tis empty now for me. That bitter cup, love drank it up, now blessings draft for me. 
in the news. A Catholic missionary priest in Madagascar, known for serving the poor, living on a landfill, has been nominated for this year's Nobel Peace Prize. Father Pedro Opeca, 72, is a Vincentian priest from Argentina who has worked with the poor in Madagascar for more than 30 years. He founded the Akamasola Humanitarian Association in 1989 as a solidarity movement to help the poorest of the poor, who live on the site of a garbage dump. Yanis Jansa, the Prime Minister of Slovenia, has announced that he nominated Opeka for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize for his dedication to, quote, helping people living in appalling living conditions, unquote. 
The Akamasosa Association, which means good friend, has provided former homeless people and families with 4,000 brick houses and has helped to educate 13,000 children and young people. Pope Francis visited Opeka's City of Friendship, built atop a rubbish dump on the outskirts of the capital city during his apostolic visit to Madagascar in September 2019. Pedro Pablo Opeka was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina in 1948. His parents were refugees from Slovenia who emigrated after the inception of the communist regime in Yugoslavia. At the age of 18, he entered the seminary of the Congregation for the Mission of St. Vincent de Paul in San Miguel, Argentina. Two years later, he traveled to Europe to study philosophy and theology. He then spent two years as a missionary in Madagascar. In 1975, he was ordained a priest at the Basilica of Wujan, and in 1976 returned to Madagascar, where he has remained to this day. Upon seeing the desperate poverty in the capital city, especially at the landfills where people live in cardboard boxes and children compete with the pigs for food, he decided to do something for the poor. With help from abroad and the work of the people of Madagascar, he founded villages, schools, food banks, small businesses, and even a hospital to serve the poor through the Akamosoa Association. During the corona pandemic, Opeka has been working to help families who have fallen even deeper into poverty as a consequence of corona. The situation is difficult for families, for the poor who have many children. He said, we do not have rice. We do not have water. We need water and soap. Madagascar is one of the poorest countries, Opeka said. He expressed his gratitude to Pope Francis for his appeal for rich countries to cancel the debt of poor countries in the light of the pandemic. It is necessary if we want to live in dignity, he said. This is not the first time that Opeka has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Slovenian parliament representatives, representatives also nominated him in 2012. Father Pedro Opeka, a missionary priest serving the poorest of the poor, Nominated for this year's Nobel Peace Prize. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media. This new book, beautifully bound to reflect Our Lady's royal role, is both new and yet centuries old. It is the first English translation of a Latin work, entitled, in English, The Little Book on the Crown of the Virgin. And what a beautifully translation this really is. It's brilliant. Thanks to Benedictine Father Robert Nixon. It's melodic prose at its finest. Each short chapter becomes a symphony of sentences, all in praise of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The book's subtitle an ancient meditation on Mary's beauty, virtue, and sanctity sets the metaphor as the original author, St. Idelophanes of Toledo, a Spanish abbot and 7th century renowned bishop, fashions a lyrical crown of jewels, stars, and flowers for Our Lady. 
because Mary is beautiful beyond compare. St. Adolphanus highlights the beauty of her virtues, her grace, attributes, holiness, magnificence, motherly help and concern for her children. To decorate it, he chose 12 brilliant jewels, six dazzling stars, and six fragranced flowers to place in her crown. Among them, topaz, the morning star, Sirius, the lily, sapphire, Arcturus, the star of the sea, jasper, rose, ruby, sun, moon, sunflower, and amethyst. The saint explains the reasons for his choices and how they royally honor and reflect Mary's person. While Ildefonis of Toledo might not be a household name to us, he certainly was in his own time in the years that followed. With his great learning and eloquence, he stood out as a preeminent defender of the dogma of the perpetual virginity of Mary, the Theotokos, the mother of God, writing a monumental book on the subject, correcting those in error, and even driving out of the country heretics who continued to deny this dogma. So fervent was his Marian defense and devotion that it is recorded that the Blessed Mother appeared to him by the altar and gave him the gift of a chasuble. St. Julian, who succeeded him as bishop, said Arlofanus was brilliant in his ingenuity of speech and fluent in his eloquence. Through his English translation, Father Nixon certainly makes that description clear. Among the reasons he places the sun in Mary's royal diadem is that the warming sun which causes the earth to flourish with springtide verdancy, so you make souls once barren to become fruitful. For who is able to moisten the dry heart like our mother? Or who is able to so warm the mind, frozen with despair or cynicism, than our blessed mother? All the good things which God's supreme majesty has decreed to bestow on us, he has decreed to bestow through her intercession and agency. He has committed to our, to her maternal hands our treasures of golden wisdom, the precious gemstones of his virtues, and the glowing ornaments of his graces. Through our blessed virgin, radiant as the sun, as gentle as the dawn, the fruits of blessings spring forth from their divine source. Each chapter ends with a beautiful prayer, some in poetic form, such as, Stand by me, O Lady, while I pray to you devoutly, and meditate upon you, and read about you, and speak of you, and anxiously set up my sighs to you, for your perfume refreshes me, the thought of you brings me comfort, and your sweetness restores me, your very presence consoles me, and your guidance faithfully leads me along the narrow path and straight road, which leads to the divine light of heaven. The Little Book on the Crown of the Virgin by Benedictine Father Robert Nixon, helping us to venerate the greatest of all the saints. This week's Truth in the Media. Spain's parliament has advanced a euthanasian-assisted suicide bill that Catholic leaders have decried as a defeat for all, which abandons those who suffer. 
the Congress of Deputies, the lower house of Spain's legislative body, passed a bill by a vote of 198 to 138, with the backing of the country's left-wing coalition and several other parties. The legislation is expected to be passed by the Senate, though amendments may be suggested and then returned to the deputies for a final vote. It could become law as soon as spring of this year, making Spain the largest EU country to legalize euthanasia. The law would allow public and private health professionals to help people kill themselves if they suffer a, quote, serious and incurable disease or a debilitating and chronic condition that is, quote, unbearable, unquote. Only adult Spanish citizens or residents who can make rational decisions may request euthanasia. They must make the request on four different occasions. The first two requests must be in writing and the third must come after consultation with a doctor. Spain's health minister Salvador Ila, who backed the bill, said, quote, We are moving toward a more humane and just society, unquote. Let me try to understand this. How is allowing and encouraging people to commit suicide creating a more humane and just society? I don't understand this at all. You've got to be kidding me. He really believes that? This is nuts. I don't get it. Truth Topic of the Week. Pope Francis said that remembering our baptism and the promise of eternal life can help us avoid the temptation to seek utopia in this world. This attitude helps us to overcome the temptation of utopia, to reduce the proclamation of the gospel to a simple sociological horizon, or to get involved in the marketing of various economic theories or political factions, the Pope said. Referring to the Second Vatican Council's dogmatic constitution of the Church, Lumen Gentium, Pope Francis said that living the memory of the future means making a commitment to ensure that the Church, the great people of God, can constitute on earth the beginning and the seed of the kingdom of God. Christians have received life in baptism, he said, explaining that it is a gift which calls us to communion with God, with others, and with creation. Communion with God and others requires charity in the intimacy of prayer in the presence of the Lord. And, he continued, the life received as a gift is the same life as Christ. We cannot live as believers in the world except by manifesting his very life in us. He warned listeners about a kind of nostalgia which blocks creativity and makes us rigid and ideological people, even in the social, political, and ecclesial sphere. Memory instead links us to love and experience and is one of the deepest dimensions of the human person, Pope Francis went on to say. This is why the dynamic of Christians is not that of nostalgically holding on to the past, but rather of it of accessing the external memory of the Father. And this is possible by living a life of charity. Living in the world with the strength and creativity of the life of God in us is the way 
that we will be able to fascinate the hearts and the gaze of people to the gospel of Jesus. And we will make projects of a new inclusive economy and politics capable of fruitful love. Pope Francis telling us the truth regarding our world. Our truth topic of the week. Well, we have finished episode 235 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share or just let me know how you're doing. Sometimes it's nice to hear that somebody's out there listening. We're two or more are gathered. You can email me at DeaconSteveW, all lowercase, D-E-A-C-O-N-S-T-E-V-E-W, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L, dot com. As we continue our Lenten journey, let us truly rejoice, for we know how much God loves us and gives us his mercy and calls us to be open to it and to accept it. Let us pray that we will use this time of Lent to continue to grow in holiness and grow in love for Christ. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask Our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.